0: Well it is so great to see all of you today here at Orchard Church. We also want to welcome those joining us right now online. We are excited to kick off our first series of the summer. It's a four-week series we're calling The Forgotten God. So go ahead and take out your Bibles right now. Turn to the New Testament book of John. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter 14 is where we will begin in just a moment. As you're finding your way there right now, let me just say something about our next series that's going to be kicked off uh, July 13th. We just did a pre- you for it. It's called At the Movies. This is going to be one of the most unique and creative series we've ever done in the history of Orchard Church. I promise you everybody is going to be talking about this series. It's an incredible opportunity to invite your unchurched, unsaved friends, family members, co-workers, and neighbors. It's a, a super huge outreach uh, series that we're doing, but we need your help. If you are a creative person and you like to draw, you like to paint, if you're good with carpentry, uh, I am not. I am doing dangerous with a hammer. So they said, Pastor Joe, you got to ask other people to help us with this because you can't do this. And so if you're good at those kind of things, we need your help in the next uh, month because we're going to be creating an incredible scene. We're going to completely transform our lobby into an old-style movie theater. So when you arrive at this series and you walk in, you're going to feel like you're walking in an old-time theater, and we're going to have popcorn, and we're going to have candy, and we're going to have soda. It's going to be amazing. And so if you'd like to be a part of that creative process, and that's you, let us know about that. Give us your name and your best contact information on your connection card today, and then right there somewhere on the other line, just put ATM at the movies, and we'll reach out to you, and you can be a part of our creative team, because this is going to be a lot of fun and we really look forward to that um, in July the 13th as we talk about at the movies because really movies are modern day parables and stories. We're going to look at some incredible truths from the scriptures uh, that come out of some of our favorite classic movies, so you don't want to miss that. But today we're kicking off our series called The Forgotten God. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, We did a series similar to this several years ago and it was so well received and talked about we decided to bring it back again in a little bit different way And, and there's probably not a subject that we have more questions asked of people uh, that come to Orchard Church than there is about the Holy Spirit. What what do we believe about the Holy Spirit? Um, What do you guys teach about the Holy Spirit? And so this series is gonna answer, hopefully, a lot of those questions for you. And I don't know where you are uh, with your teaching and belief about the Holy Spirit. Um, If you grew up in church, like I did. Um, We we came from different backgrounds, and I I remember the church I grew up in, uh, we didn't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit in the church I grew up in. I mean, I knew about God the Father, and I understood that because I had a father, and I understood God the Son, that's Jesus, and He died for our sins, but we really didn't talk that much about the Holy Spirit, and I didn't really learn a whole lot about the Holy Spirit growing up in in church. It was just mentioned every once in a while, but then on my mom's side of the family, I had an aunt, and that she went to a a church that they were all about the Holy Spirit, and they talked about the Holy Spirit. Spirit all the time, and I remember which sometimes we would go on vacation, and we would visit her church, and it was very different than the church that I grew up in, and I remember as a young boy going to her church, and man, their service people were just kind of running up and down the aisle, and they had tambourines out and white hankies, and they were yelling, and they were saying stuff that I didn't understand, and it kind of freaked me out as a young boy, and I'm like, okay, if that's what the Holy Spirit is about, I'm not sure I went in on that. It just kind of freaked me out a little bit, and, and I think today what happens when it comes to the subject of the Holy Spirit, we tend to swing the pendulum to one extreme or the other. You know, either we don't talk about the Holy Spirit at all, or maybe we swing it to such an extreme that's all we talk about. I think in some churches there's an overemphasis of the Holy Spirit, and in some churches, like the one I grew up in, there was a drastic underemphasis of the Holy Spirit, because you know, we don't want to be like those churches. If those of you who know what I'm talking about say yes. And so th- that's the challenge as we approach this, because we have a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds. If you grew up in church, or you came from another church uh, when it comes to the teaching of the Holy Spirit. And so l- let me just tell you what's going to happen in this series. Some of you are going to want me to lean this way when it comes to the Holy Spirit in, in the teachings. Some of you are going to want me to lean this way when it comes to the teachings about the Holy Spirit, because this can be a-, a subject that can be divisive among evangelical Christianity. Let me tell you where I'm going to lean, Orchard Church. I'm I'm going to lean on this book. I'm, I'm going to lean on what does the Bible say, and I'm going to lay it out for you as, as we see the Holy Spirit laid out, and I, the last thing in the world that we want is this to be a divisive subject in our church, and we understand that there's going to be some teaching and beliefs about the Holy Spirit that we're going to differ on, and that's okay. Uh, what we want to make sure is that we agree on is that there is a Holy Spirit, and it's the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and we believe in that. Amen, church? We, we just sang about that. Uh, we have a saying here at Orchard Church when it comes to beliefs, that in essential beliefs, we seek unity. In non-essentials, we accept liberty. We can have some freedom, maybe believe a little bit different, but in all beliefs, we offer charity and love. And so I'm excited about this series. I think it's going to be educational to, to all of us, and we're going to learn some things. What does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit? And we want to make sure that we have a biblical balance. And the Bible talks a lot about the Spirit of God. The word Spirit in your Bible is found over 800 times. You don't have to go any further than the second verse of your Bible. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, and you see the Holy Spirit show up. It says in Genesis 1:2: the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And help me out, church, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. The Spirit of God. Uh, I hope you'll take some notes in this series because I believe you're gonna learn some things about the Spirit of God. You have this in your notes. Uh, What does the word spirit mean? It comes from the Greek word pneuma and it can be translated air or breath or strong breeze. And many times in the Bible, when you see the Spirit show up, it shows up like a dove. That's why the dove is kind of the symbol of our our series, the Spirit of God. Now, the Spirit of God has worked differently in the Old Testament uh, than it does in the New Testament times. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come Come upon people for a season, and then it would go away. It would come and it would go. Uh, The Spirit of God came upon Saul, and then it left Saul. It came upon David, and then it left David. But when Jesus Christ came to this earth, He died for our sins, and He left. He left us the Spirit, and He said, "When I leave, I'm going to give you the Spirit, and He is going to. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He's going to be here to stay. He's going to be with us, and He is going to be in us. The Spirit." Of the living God. Let me tell you where we're going in this series. Next week, we're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit that God has placed inside of all believers. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God, the power that we have, is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. I mean, that's some incredible power. And we want to learn how to tap into the power of the Spirit in our life. The third week of this series, we're going to talk about the different gifts of the Spirit. And this is where people differ a little bit, but we're going to lay out what the Bible says of various gifts of the spirit that we receive when we accept Christ. And then the last week, we're going to wrap up this series talking about what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God and answer some of those questions. What does it mean to be filled with the spirit? But today, we're going to talk about the presence of the spirit of God, that his presence is always with us when we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Let's begin in John chapter 14, verse 16, and Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples, his followers, and he's preparing them for the fact that he's not always going to to. be with them, that he's actually going to go away, he's going to leave this earth, and the disciples didn't really like that, they didn't want to hear that Jesus was leaving them, and so Jesus, in an effort to encourage them and and speak truth to them, in John 14, 16 says this, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another what, church, another Advocate, this word advocate, uh, sometimes in your Bibles, depending on which version you use, can be translated. Comforter, encourager, counselor. I'm going to give you another advocate who will watch this. Never leave you. I'm going to be leaving. I'm going to be going back to heaven to be seated at the right hand of my Father. But this advocate is never going to leave you. Who is this advocate he's talking about? And Jesus tells us in verse 17, he is the what, church? He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later he will beware in you. Later he will be with you and he will be in you. And, and notice what Jesus didn't say. Jesus didn't say the Holy Spirit is not it. He said he, him, he, him. The Holy Spirit is a person. We believe that the Holy Spirit of God is the third person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, help me out church, and God the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit of God. We know that he is a person because as you read through the Bible, he has feelings, he has emotions, he loves, he grieves. And in the New Living Translation, I primarily teach from here at Orchard, he's called the advocate. What, what does the word advocate mean? It comes from the Greek word paraclete, not parakeet. That's a different kind of bird. Paraclete, and it means called to come alongside. Jesus says, "I'm going. To, when I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you and to be in you as believers in Christ, and he's going to come alongside of you. So you don't have to freak out that I'm leaving. What's he going to come alongside of us and do? He's going to comfort us. He's going to encourage us. He's going to, to guide us. Now, the disciples, as you read on the next couple of chapters in this conversation, the disciples were confused about this. They didn't really get it. They didn't understand it. And they're, they're basically whining and they're crying. They're like, Jesus, don't leave us. Please don't go away. You're our master. You're our rabbi. You're our savior. We can't live life without you. I mean, you, and you can kind of get it, right? I mean, if you were one of the disciples and you've been hanging out with Jesus for three, three and a half years, you wouldn't want him to leave. I mean, after all, imagine you're hanging out with Jesus. You're one of his disciples, and you get a headache. You're like Jesus. I got a headache. Can you help me out? And Jesus, is like, poof, and your headache's gone. It's awesome. You know, you're you're hanging out with Jesus, and you know, you got your lunch bag for the day. Maybe your wife gave you your, your lunch, and she's put you on a diet that you didn't know about, and so you only got half a sandwich, and you know, a little half a bag of chips, and you're like, uh, Jesus, this is not enough. And so Jesus, is like, oh, watch this, boom, and he multiplies your meal. You know, it makes it like a five course meal. I mean, it would be awesome to be just always hanging out with Jesus. I mean, you're, you're hanging out with Jesus, and your dog runs out into the street. It gets hit by a car, and it dies right there. And you're like, Jesus, my dog just got killed by a car. Can you help me out? And Jesus raises your dog from the dead. You're hanging out with Jesus, and your cat runs out in the street. <laughs> gets run over by a car, and it's killed. And you're like, Jesus, my cat was just killed. Could you do the funeral? <laughs> I'm back from vacation. I just had to go there, all right? But the disciples did not like the idea that Jesus was going to be going away. They didn't understand this advocate. They didn't understand the Holy Spirit. And here's what Jesus told them. What I'm going to leave you is better than me being here in the physical form. Now, Whoa, what? Something better than that? And this is what he says in John chapter 16, verse 7, a couple of chapters later in this conversation. Jesus says, But in fact, it is what, church? It is best for you. That I go away. How is it best that you go away, Jesus? Because if I don't, if I don't, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, won't come. If I do go away, then I will send Him to you. It's best if I leave because I'm going to put my Spirit in you and to be with you, no matter where you go or what you're doing. I'm going to be in believers everywhere, all around the world. That spirit's gonna come alongside of you. He's gonna comfort you. He's gonna guide you. He's gonna encourage you. He's gonna empower you with gifts to serve God. We're gonna talk about that in a couple of weeks. You're gonna be able to live out the fruit of the spirit. What is the evidence of the spirit of God in our life? Galatians says it's things like love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and gentleness, all the things that please God. All of this comes from the Holy Spirit of God working in and through our life. Jesus says, it's best that I go away because I'm going to leave you my spirit. My presence is going to be in you and with you. But what's sad is there are so many believers going through life, they've accepted Christ, they have the spirit of God in them, but yet they continue to be gripped by fear. And yet the Bible says God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. There's so many believers going through life and they still worry about everything, yet they got the spirit of God to comfort them. There's so many believers going through life that have the Spirit of God, but they struggle with anxiety. They struggle in making decisions in which direction to go. A lot of believers struggle with the same sins that the rest of the world struggles with, yet we we have the power of the Holy Spirit in our life that we can tap into His presence. See, God wants us to live a Spirit-filled life, a Spirit-controlled life. But unfortunately, if we're honest, I think there's too many Christians that are living a Spirit-less life instead of a spirit-filled life. And let me give you a couple of reasons why I think many are living a spirit-less life instead of a spirit-filled life. If you're taking notes, uh, here's a couple of reasons. First of all, some aren't aware of the spirit. Some are living a spirit-less life because they're just unaware. They're not aware of the spirit. Uh, this was the case when uh, Paul came uh, up uh, in, in contact with some followers of John. Uh, they had been baptized by John, and they were preparing for the Messiah, but they didn't realize that the Messiah was Jesus, and he had come, and so they hadn't fully accepted Christ yet, and so they were a little confused about the Spirit, and here's how the conversation went as Paul had this conversation in Acts chapter 19. It says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers, goes on to say, he asked them this, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And, and what they believed what there was, was that there was a Messiah coming. He asked them, no, they replied, watch this, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. They, they didn't, that, that was new news to them. They didn't realize it. They, they weren't aware. And then he asked them, then what baptism did you experience? He asked, and they replied, the baptism of John. And, he, and Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, to prepare for the Messiah, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning who, church? Jesus. And so they weren't living a spirit-filled life because they hadn't accepted Jesus yet, and they, were, they weren't aware of the, the spirit. And, and there are many today that are just unaware of the spirit and how he wants to work in their life. You know, it's like, yeah, I know about God the Father and God the Son, and then there's this other guy. You know, kind of like the weird cousin nobody talks about. And And here's why we're doing this series. There's a whole other world of power available to believers through the Holy Spirit of God. A whole other world that God wants you to be aware of. That's why we call this the forgotten God. We want you to remember the forgotten God. God wants you to be aware of his presence and his power through the spirit in, in your life. I don't know how many, let me illustrate this. How many of you have ever been able to ride in first class On an airline, rode in first class. Few of you, Um, I went for many, many years. I traveled all around the world um, on mission trips and things like that, and I and vacations, and never got the privilege to ride in first class because I'm cheap and I'm like, you know, just give me the cheapest seat. I don't need the leg room anyway. I got plenty of leg room wherever I sit in the plane. I don't know what the problem is, so I just buy the cheapest seat whether I'm going on a mission trip or or, or I'm flying on vacation. And a few years ago my son was playing college baseball and we were gonna go watch one of his tournaments and one of the families in our church that works for the airline industry um, was gracious enough to give us a buddy pass to go see him play college baseball. And so when we got there to the airport and we were checking in, they said, well, we don't have any more seats in coach, uh, but we can bump you up to first class if that'd be okay. Let me think about it. Yeah, that'd be okay. And and I really, I didn't know that much about first class. Here's what I knew. Uh, Airplanes that had first class, I would, there were two kinds of people that would get on an airplane. The the kind of people that, most common people like myself that would go in and you turn to the right and go to the back and and that's where we would sit. And then there were the people that get to turn to the left and they go behind the curtain, behind the veil. You know, the holy of holies. You know, and I would always go and to turn right, and I would like, what's going on back there? You know? And I really, I kind of had a little bit of an idea and I'd heard about it, but I'd never experienced it. And then that day, uh, Shelley and I got to go in and we got to turn left and go behind them. And I, I, I almost, I think I heard the hallelujah chorus from the angels, like, hallelujah. And man, I, I had no idea what happens in first class. And we sat down, and you know, uh, in the back, they're like, sit down, shut up, put your seatbelt on, let's go. And I walked in there, and they're like, hey, hello, Mr. Dameron. Uh, good to have you, sir. They called me, sir. They never called me, sir, back there you know and and I sat down and before the plane even took off can I get you something to drink and oh and, and I'm how much is it oh it's free up here what and, and they bring me you know something to drink and it's in a real glass I didn't even know they had real glasses on an airplane and they brought real food on a real plate and you didn't have to pay for anything and I, I mean it was uh, let me just tell you if you've never had a chance to ride first class it's not so bad it's not so bad. And that's, that's been the only time. I haven't got to do it since then. But I was unaware. It was a whole new world that I had become aware of. And, and I think that's true with Christians. When we accept Christ, He puts His Spirit in us. But there's a lot of Christians that are unaware. They're missing out on the power of the Holy Spirit, the victory, the strength, the comfort that He can bring in our lives to guide us and experiencing His, His presence. He, he wants to work in and through our lives. Why are many living a spirit-less life? Some are just unaware. They're not aware of the Holy Spirit. Here's another reason why I believe some are living a spirit-less life. You have this in your notes, because some resist the spirit. The reason that some Christians aren't um, living a spirit for life is because they resist the spirit Stephen addressed this before Stephen was killed. Stephen was a follower of Jesus, and he was going around sharing his faith, and people said, listen, if you keep telling people about Jesus, um, we're gonna stone you, not recreationally speaking okay, this is Colorado, I gotta make sure, was with rocks, and they did, they killed him, but right before they killed him, he had a message uh, for the crowd he was talking to, and listen to what he said in Acts seven fifty one: You stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Watch this, must you forever, say it with me, church, resist the Holy Spirit. You're resisting the Holy Spirit and what God's trying to do in your life. That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Paul said it this way in First Thessalonians 5, 19. He, t- he gave us this instruction. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. When you accepted Christ, he put his spirit in you, but don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Because here's the problem. When we resist the Holy Spirit enough, we can become hard-hearted to the Spirit of God in our life. We could become hard-hearted to what God is trying to tell us and teach us and ask us to do or ask us not to do and and to be in line and, and in good and right fellowship with God. And you may wonder, well, how do I know when it's the Spirit of God leading me to do something and it's not my own emotions? And that's a great question. It can be sometimes tricky to, to figure out. And let me just kind of tell you what I try to do in, in my life, to know if it's the Spirit of God or not. Um, I'm just going to keep it real and, and admit, by nature, um, I'm a selfish person. Anybody else with me on that? But by nature, I I tend to think about myself before I think about everybody else. And so anytime I feel uh, the Spirit of God prompting me to do something for someone else, to encourage them, to pray for them, to help them, I just assume that must be from the Spirit of God because my natural flesh doesn't always think that way. And as long as it lines up with God's Word and it doesn't violate God's Word, if, if it's it's going to help somebody else, encourage somebody else, then I believe, well, that's the Spirit of God leading me to do that, because I don't naturally think that way. Uh, let me give you an illustration of this. Uh, some of you know that uh, we just got back from a uh, couple weeks vacation. We, went, we drove out to California to see our new granddaughter and her family. And... Uh, we were there about a week, and we took our son with us, and we wanted to play a little golf, and so we took our golf club. So we drove out there, and so we had to drive back all the way from Southern California. Well, when if you've ever taken that drive, you, you have to go through a little town on the way back from California to Colorado. It's called Las Vegas okay? And so we're like, well, hey, we're, we're going to be going through there anyway, so why not let's stop for a couple of days and, and uh, spend a little bit of time in Las Vegas? And, and so we did. And I, was, I know what some of y'all are thinking. You're like, okay, what does Pastor Doug do in Las Vegas? Listen, what happens in Vegas? Okay. <laughs> but God's still watching, right? His presence <laughs> is still there. You can behave in Vegas. But anyway, we we were in Las Vegas for a couple of days, and we were going to go to dinner and a show, and so it's easier to get around in an Uber. And so uh, we jumped into an Uber, and the lady that picked us up, uh, when we looked on the app, you know, you match up the car, the vehicle type, and the um, license plate, and the vehicle type and license plate didn't match this lady that pulled up. She's like, are you Doug? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, I know this isn't the car that's on there. She goes, "Uh, get in, I'll tell you why. And I'm like, wait a minute. Is this... (laughs) Am I getting kidnapped? Was this car stolen? What's going on? And so we were like, okay, let, well, let's just see what happens. So we get in, and I'm sitting up front, and Shelly and Caleb and some friends of ours in the back, and we're sitting in there, and she basically explained to us that she had gotten a car accident. A guy had ran a red light and totaled her car, and so this was a rental, but she said, I had to keep driving. She said, I have six kids and she said, my husband is disabled and this is my only means of income and I have to do this you know, basically day and night. She was kind of sharing her story with us and, and part of me was like, is she just looking for a good tip? But then I I really believed her story. I believed it it was true. And she was just going through a really rough time in her life. And so uh, when we pulled over to stop and she was going to let us out, I I felt uh, the Holy Spirit of God speak to me and say, you know what? You you need to pray for this lady. And so I I asked her, I said, would you mind if if I just prayed for you? And she goes, would you do that? And I said, sure. And I just put my hand over her and we all prayed for her and and her life and what was going on. And uh, then we got ready to get it. She just thanked me and she started to tear up. And she said, thank you so much. You don't know how much that means to me. I needed that today. She goes, I, I love when I get to drive Christians around. And I'm like, oh, I guess there are other Christians that go to Vegas too. So I'm not the only one, you know? And so, yeah, it was of cool. And so she, she just thanked me and thanked me and said, you know, how, how awesome it was and, and what a blessing um, it, it was. And so we were doing the work of the Lord in Vegas. That's what we were doing, if you guys were wanting to know. But I felt the Holy Spirit prompted me to do that. And I was glad that I listened to that. But, but we can live a spirit-less life instead of a spirit-filled life when we resist the spirit. When the Holy Spirit of God prompts us to do something that is in line with his word and doesn't violate his word, especially if it's to help somebody else, we need to listen to that. We need to obey that. We need to take that step of faith and not resist. Because if we resist the Holy Spirit enough in his promptings and leadings in our life, then he'll, he'll stop talking to us for a while. And you will wonder, where is the presence of God? Why don't I feel his presence in my life? Because I believe this, the Holy Spirit of God is a gentleman, And he's not going to push himself on anyone. He's not going to make us do anything. And I mean, it's kind of like sometimes when I come home after a long day here at church at the office and I've been studying for a message all day long and I'm kind of tired and I walk in the door and my wife always is wanting to make out, you know. As soon as I walk in the door and I'm like, honey, I just, I'm really tired today. You know, maybe not. And if I resist enough, she'll just quit asking. Y'all believe that, right? Okay. All right, we're going to move on. So why, why is it that some Christians live a spiritless life? It's because either they're not aware of the spirit or we're resisting the spirit. With the rest of our time, let me give you three ways. If you want to experience the presence of God in your life, let me give you three ways the Holy Spirit works in your life so you can experience his presence. If you're taking notes, the first one is this. He will comfort you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the spirit of God in you, he will comfort you. And this is for someone today. I don't know who this is for, it may be for several people, but some of you, this is is the moment why God has you here today you're going through a difficult time in your life you need to hear this truth that the spirit of God wants to comfort you Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 1 3 all praise to God the father of our Lord Jesus Christ God is our merciful father and the source of what church all comfort aren't you thankful that we have a God of all comfort No matter what we face, no matter what we're going through, he's a God of all comfort. In John 14, 16, in a different translation, the one I grew up on, the King James Version, is it says it this way, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another what? Comforter that he may abide with you forever. The Holy Spirit of God can comfort us in a supernatural, powerful way like nothing else. I don't know how many of you have ever received news in your life that was like a kick in the gut. Probably most of us have. Something that just kinda came out of nowhere and I I wanna take a moment right now and share a very real and honest and personal story that this is the first time that I've shared publicly. A few of you have known about this behind the scenes but most of you have not and it has to do with our daughter, uh, Caitlin. Uh, that just gave birth to our granddaughter and I called her this week and I asked permission to share this story and she gave me permission and she said, if it will help and encourage someone else, then do it. And uh, it was about a year ago this time that our daughter, Caitlin, she was living with us, She's 20 year, she was 20 at the time, and she was at a crossroads in her life trying to figure out which direction am I going to go, what am I going to do with my life, and God was trying to pull her one direction, and the enemy was trying to pull her another direction, and by her own admission, uh, she was not always making the best of decisions. Sometimes she did, and sometimes she didn't, and I never will forget the night she came home, and she, she, she had texted us and said, I, I need to talk to you to." to you and mom tonight about something. We're like, okay, what's this about? And she came into the house, we sat down in the living room, and she began to cry. And she said, "Um, I made a really bad decision. And she said, I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm pregnant. And she said, will you forgive me? She said, I prayed and asked God to forgive me. And we said, Caitlin, listen, we love you, you're our daughter, and we absolutely forgive you. We can't change the past, we can't change yesterday, but we can change from this day forward. And we believe God wants to use this for good in your life, to get your attention, and, and, and we, we talked about it, we told her we loved her, and we're gonna walk through you with this, and we had no idea what direction this was gonna go. What was gonna happen with Caitlin? What was gonna happen with this baby? Um, you know, There was so many unanswered questions. And it was like a kick in the gut to Shelly and I. It was, it was news that we were not prepared for. And I remember, though, we started praying, started praying about this, and God give us wisdom, and God gives us direction, and God worked through this in our life and in Caitlin's life. And I can just tell you this. The peace of God that surpasses all human understanding came over us. The Spirit of God filled us with comfort that it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. God's going to use this us for good. We're going to get through this. It's going to be Okay. And, and we felt the comfort of God. And I, and I want to just also say this publicly. I, I know that um, many of you didn't know the backstory of all of this. Some of you that, that know us personally did know this. And, and I just want to I just want to personally say to our church family that walked with us through that, thank you from the bottom of our heart for your love and for your grace and your encouragement. Um, We couldn't have got through it without that, and and the Spirit of God used you in a powerful way in our life as well, and and God comforted us, and I'm so grateful to God, and I praise God that a year later now, Caitlin is happily married to an incredibly godly man. Um, Shiloh has an amazing dad and mom, and they're serving God, and they're going to church every week, and God has completely turned her life around, and we give God praise and glory for that. Amen. But it was a difficult time, and we experienced the comfort of God. And Caitlin said, when you share this story, be sure you tell people. She told us this later, um, that when she found out she was pregnant, she said, you know, I was at a crossroads in my life. She said, "I, I went to my room, and I dropped to my knees, and I cried out to God and said, God, I surrender to you. I haven't been surrendered to you. I haven't been following you, but from this day forward, and then God worked things out in a redemptive, beautiful way beyond what we could ever imagine. I hope that'll speak to someone today. Maybe you can relate to this. You're going through a tough season in your life right now, and man, if you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, his spirit is in you. He is with you. He wants to comfort you. Maybe it's a difficult time with your marriage or with your kids. Uh, Maybe it's your finances or a health situation. Whatever it is, The Holy Spirit of God wants to work in and through your life. He wants to comfort you. He is the God of all comfort. Here's another way that the Spirit of God wants to work in your life. He he will counsel you. He, he will counsel you. He will guide you when you have decisions to make. Um, how, how many of you uh, make difficult decisions all the time like I do? Yeah, most of us do. I mean, for our, our marriages, for our families, maybe at work. Je, this is what Jesus said in John 16, 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. You say, okay, what is truth? Well, John 17, 17 says God's word is truth. You see, the spirit of God always works in conjunction with the word of God to guide and direct our lives. The Holy Spirit will give us direction. He will give us wisdom to make the right decisions at the right time. He will give us discernment when it comes to decision-making. And there are so many decisions that have to be made here at Orchard Church all the time. And as a leadership team, we're always praying. We're saying, God, give us wisdom. Help us to make the right decision at the right time. And I'm so grateful that the Spirit of God has always guided us and directed us uh, in the way that God wants us to go. I remember 14 years ago when we were praying about moving to Denver, Colorado to start a church called Orchard Church. We had never lived here. We had no friends, no family. We didn't know anybody here, but we felt the Spirit of God was prompting us to, to start a church in this area. And I remember some of the people in our life were encouraging us to do it and saying, Yes, go. And other people were saying, Are you crazy? You know, you don't know anybody there. I mean, that's where church planners go to die. This isn't going to work. And I'm like, Thanks for the encouragement. I appreciate that. And I remember I had all these competing voices telling me what to do and not to do, but I wasn't listening to the most important voice, and that was God. And I remember, like yesterday, I was sitting in our living room doing my morning Bible reading and prayer time, and I was asking God, God, if you want us to move to Denver, Colorado to start a church, I want you to make it so clear there's no way we could miss it. Be careful what you pray for, right? And God said, is this clear enough? And I was reading through a passage in 2 Corinthians I had read hundreds of times, and that morning, it was like, it was the closest thing to the audible voice of God I've ever heard in my life that said, go, go, go now, trust me, and watch what I do. 14 years later, I am so grateful that we listened to the Spirit and the Word of God, that we could experience all that God is doing here. And he can do the same in your life. He wants to guide you. He wants to direct you. I love this verse in Isaiah uh, chapter 30, verse 21. It says, your own ears, your ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. The spirit of God wants to speak to you through his word. Are we open to it? Are we listening to it? Are we opening God's word? Sometimes Christians say, well, I wish God would speak to me. Well, are you reading God's word? No, no. Well, he's got a lot he wants to say. If we'll open his word and let his spirit speak to us, how does the Holy Spirit want to reveal his presence in our life? He wants to comfort us, he wants to counsel us, and then he will convict you. Here's the third way the spirit of God wants to work in your life. He will convict you, and that's not a negative thing. That's a good thing because that gets us in a right relationship with God because our natural nature and our enemy Satan wants to pull us off course in our relationship with God. But the Holy Spirit will convict us what is right and what is wrong. Jesus said this in John 16, eight. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness, how to be right with God and of the coming judgment. Who's this he? It's the spirit of God. When I um, pastored my first church, um, I became pastor of my first church in a small town in Indiana. Um, it was called Kokomo, Indiana. It was an hour north of Indianapolis. It sounds tropical, it is not, I assure you. I became pastor the day after my 30th birthday, and I started preaching the Word of God every week. And, I, I, and that was back, you know, we had one service, it was kind of a small country church, and I wore a suit and tie to preach every single Sunday which is why you never see me in a suit and tie anymore. I did my time, okay? I did my time. And I mistakenly believed when I first became a pastor and I was preaching God's word that it was my responsibility to convict people of sin, to make sure people were right with God. And I was wrong in that. And I remember the spirit of God speaking to me and through the word of God and saying, you know, Doug, your responsibility is to preach the truth of God's word with a balance of grace and truth, and let the Holy Spirit do the convicting in people's lives. And what I realized when I started doing that is the Holy Spirit does a much better job of preaching the message than I could ever do. And and what I also found out is if I could talk people into something, then somebody else could come along and talk them out of it. But when the Spirit of God in conjunction with the Word of God speaks to someone in their life, that's powerful. And that changes everything. And I started preaching completely different toward the end of my time there, and then completely different when we started Orchard Church. Listen, I I go back and I try to listen to some of those early-day messages, and I just cringe. You got the better version 2.0 of Pastor Doug. Trust me. Trust me. I I would not have wanted to listen to me preach uh, back there. And it has been so refreshing and so freeing to just preach the truth of the Word of God with a balance of grace and truth and let the Holy Spirit of God change people's lives. And I know this is happening at Orchard Church over and over because so many of you come up after service and I'll meet you in the lobby and you'll say, man, did somebody call you this week to tell you what was going on in my life? Did my wife call you? Did my husband call you? Did my boss call you? Because that's exactly what's going on in my life. And I said, that's the spirit of God. And then what's really interesting is I'll have four or five different people telling me how God spoke to them during the the message, and sometimes the things they're telling me, I'm thinking back in my mind, I didn't say anything about that in my message. Like, I I wasn't talking about that at all. That's the power of the Holy Spirit and God's Word that is living and breathing and and alive. And, and, And it... Speaks to everybody individually to convict us to be right with God. And I'm so grateful that we get to be a part of a church where we're not praying for revival. We are experiencing revival. Each and every weekend. You want to see the evidence of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit? Look at all the lives that are being changed. All the people that are coming to faith in Christ. All the people that are getting baptized. All the marriages that are being restored. The families that are being healed. The the health uh, prayer requests that are being answered. I mean, aren't you grateful we're in a church where we're experiencing the presence of God each and every week? I know I am. I know I am. You know, I think we really like The fact that the Spirit of God wants to reveal His presence through counsel and comfort. We like those two. But maybe we don't like so much the conviction part. But I'll tell you this, we're never gonna experience the counsel and the comfort until we first experience the conviction, and we're obedient to that conviction. And, And that first conviction happens when we say yes to Jesus that God convicts us for the first time, that God loved us so much, that God the Father sent God the Son to die for us, to pay for our sins that separate us from God. And when we say yes to Jesus in faith, he places his spirit in us. And when we respond to that conviction, then he comforts us, then he counsels us as we're aware of his presence and, experience and his spirit and we don't resist it. Let's remember in this series the forgotten God, the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, I pray that even in this moment right now, your spirit would be working in and through hearts and lives for your honor and your glory. As we are in an attitude of prayer right now with heads bowed and eyes closed, how many of you that have said yes to Jesus in faith, you know the spirit of God is in you right now, you would say, you know what? I know I have the spirit of God, but sometimes I'm not filled with the spirit. I'm living a spirit-less life, and I really want to live a more spirit-filled life. I really do. I want to be, live a more spirit-filled life. If, if that's your prayer today, would you slip up your hand for prayer? Can I pray for you all across the auditorium? Amen, God bless you, amen. Hands everywhere, you can put them down. Maybe you're here today and you would say, you know what, I'm going through a challenge in my life, a difficulty, I have a tough decision I need to make and I'm asking the spirit of God to comfort me and to counsel me and to guide me in that decision. Can I pray for you, anyone like that? I'm going through a difficult time, I need his comfort, I need his counsel for a decision, amen. Several hands, you can put them down. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just pray for all of us that we would want to walk in the spirit, that we'd wanna be filled with your spirit, controlled by your spirit, and that, Lord, we would then experience your comfort and your counsel in our lives, that we would remember that you never leave us, you never forsake us, that when we said yes to you in faith, you put your spirit in us, and he is with us all the time, everywhere we go and everything we face. May that build our faith and may that challenge us today to live a more spirit-filled life. So we continue in attitude of prayer with heads bowed, and eyes closed for just a moment. If you're here today and you've never invited Jesus into your life as Lord and Savior, you can't have the Spirit of God in your life until you first say yes to Jesus. And I believe that that the Spirit of God is convicting some of you today. He's talking to you, he's speaking to you that it's time to invite Jesus into your life as, as Lord and Savior and then you can experience his his counsel and his comfort and his power and his victory in in your life. If the Spirit of God is speaking to you today, like Paul said, don't stifle it, don't resist it. Don't say no, because you don't know how many opportunities you're gonna get. Maybe today is the day for some of you. Today is the day of your salvation. The day is the day that you invite Jesus into your life as Lord and Savior. If that's you today, you know if that's you, if God's speaking to you in that way, I wanna give you an opportunity to invite Jesus into your life, allowing him to put his spirit inside of you. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. One of the ways we call on the Lord is just through prayer. Prayer is a way to express The faith and what is going on in our heart. I'm going to pray a prayer of faith out loud in just a moment. It's not a magic prayer. These aren't magic words we say, but if it comes from a heart of faith, you can invite Jesus into your life today. You can have your sins forgiven. You can know you have a home in heaven for all eternity and that the Spirit of God lives inside of you. If that's you today, would you pray this prayer from your heart to God's right where you sit? And it goes like this. Jesus, I believe in you that you died for me to pay for my sins, forgive me of my sins, come into my life. I want to know and follow you. I want your spirit in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me and dying for me. Thank you. Thank you. So we continue in attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody looking around. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But if you just prayed that prayer of faith for the first time, and I know some of you did, I would love, love the privilege to pray for you right now, that you would just grow in your walk and relationship and you experience the presence of the Spirit of God in in your life. I'm gonna count to three without anyone else looking around. Can I pray for you? Would you just slip up your hand if you prayed that prayer? One, two, three, lift them up nice and high. God bless you, ma'am, right here. Yes, God bless you. Yes, right here, amen. God bless you. One, two, three people over here, amen. God bless you in the back, yes. I see your hand. Thank you. Several people. Amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we just lift up all those today that are saying yes to you, and we are so thrilled for their decision to accept you as Lord and Savior, that you've placed your spirit inside of them, and all of us that, that name the name of Jesus, we welcome them in the family of God as our brothers and sisters in Christ. May we walk out of here more aware of your spirit being filled with your spirit, being led and directed by your spirit and your word in our life, for your honor and your glory and our good. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said,